0: welcome to the marion message presented by the mosaic of marion podcast each week we'll hear god's word explored by dr henry m meadows jr as he preaches from the pulpit of marion baptist church in chatham virginia we pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with god let's join him now uh, good morning everybody hope everybody's having a great day if you would turn in your bibles to acts chapter 4 i mean acts chapter 2 i wrote, I wrote it wrong acts 2 sorry Acts 2 42 through uh, 47 uh, and while you're trying there, so, uh, for those who don't know I did play baseball in high school and college and I quit after uh, two years in college and one of the reasons there's a lot of reasons why I quit but uh, the one big reason was because in high school baseball is a hobby baseball is something you do uh, when you have spare time and it's something you do for fun uh, and it doesn't matter if you're bad or you're good, because uh, mainly because Chatham didn't make cuts, so it didn't matter if I was bad or good. I was going to be on the team. I was going to be on the field. Uh, we had two bench players, and they were both football players who we needed two guys. So our coach found two random guys to play. And so if I missed practice, it wasn't anything uh, bad. I didn't miss practice because my dad wouldn't let me. But there was no really repercussions for playing bad or uh, hey, come on, in. hey, nice to see you, man. Uh, you know, playing bad or um, anything like that. But in college everybody was the best player on their team or one of the best players on their team and so there was a, there was a lot of competition there were cuts made and you had to devote yourself to that sport whatever sport you're playing in college you have to devote yourself to that sport your life consists of that sport so i would get up i would go to class And once I got done in class at 3.30, I would go practice till about 6, 6 6.30, then I would go eat dinner, and then I would practice till about 10 o'clock, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's on the field, wherever it was, practice till 10 o'clock. Then I was expected to go find something else to eat, because I was hungry, and do homework, and then fall asleep, wake up, and do it all again. My life consisted around baseball. I had to fully devote myself to baseball if I wanted to play in college, and found out that I didn't really love baseball. I began to resent it because my heart wasn't fully in it. And I began to resent it, and that's why I quit because I wasn't willing to devote myself to the sport that I, I once thought I loved. And so, so often we, we don't devote ourselves fully to God or His Word. And so, here in Acts, we're, we're seeing this church that just, that just formed after Peter, one of the greatest sermons ever preached with Peter. These uh, 3,000 people have gotten saved, and they fully devote themselves to the Christian life, and, and to God's word. And so if you stand at the reading of God's word, it's Acts two forty two through 47. It reads, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And it all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. Um, be with those who are hurting today, Lord, who, who just lost loved ones. Lord, be with them. Uh, comfort them, Lord. Um, be with the Brazil team. Uh, be with them. Keep them safe. And Keep them preaching your word. In the name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the first thing we see is the areas of true devotion. The areas where they were truly devoted to. And there's four areas. And the first one is teaching. The first one, the first area they devoted themselves to was God's word. And it's first for a reason because that's where our foundation starts. Whether it's as of church a whole. Or it's an individual person. Your foundation of your faith should be founded in Scripture, in God's Word. And so they're, they're just coming up. If you go to verse 41 of Acts 2, it says, So those who received his Word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So we know 3,000 people have come to form this new thing called a church church. And they have fully devoted themselves and they have came to this knowledge and formed this church around God's word. Around uh, the God's word that was preached by Peter. And so guys, if, if your life isn't devoted to scripture, then you've already missed the mark and we're just on point one. And so often as a church, we see churches die because their devotion, their main priority isn't the scripture, it's something else. And it begins to be worldly things, such as the building, such as the traditions that they do, such as um, programs or events. And nothing's wrong with those things until, unless they take the place of God's Word. God's Word should be preeminent in our lives and our lives as a church. And that's what started the church, and that's what led the church to, to be leading people to Christ day by day. Because if you go down to verse 47— It says the last thing, it says the Lord added to their number day by day. It was because the first and foremost, they kept God's word in the forefront of everything. They devoted themselves to teaching, which means they didn't think of it as a chore. They wanted to do it. And they weren't doing it just on a Sunday for three hours. They were doing it every single day of the week. Every single day they devoted themselves to the Scripture. So often we devote our Scripture to Sunday and then we read our Bible so we can say, hey, I read my Bible every day, but we don't really take anything from it. They were reading it to get get something, to get closer to their Creator, to get closer to their Savior. They were seeking His face every day they woke up and every night they went to bed. They were seeking God's face, and that's how we should be as a church. There should never be a moment where we're focused on something else other than God's Word. Now, we might be focused on, hey, how can we get God's Word out there effectively through tradition, through programs, through events, through anything, through the building, and that's great. But it cannot be preeminent as a church. It cannot be our preeminence. It cannot take control of our church. We can't focus on it too much to where we forget about the Scripture. We forget at what we're teaching. And so their church was founded on the truth, on God's Word. And that's the only thing a church should be founded on. And so then we go on to to the second area. The second area. So we already see the first area is is God's word. The second area is fellowship. You know, it's easy to say, hey, I devote myself to God's word because, you know, we're not with you when you go home. But this one's the key one. This one gets a lot of people. Devote yourselves to fellowship. They they were hanging out with each other. It wasn't a chore to be around everybody. Think about it. It's 3,000 people. It's really hard to keep 3,000 people from fighting with each other. But they had no trouble. It was because of their mindset. They were focused more on what they had in common than what they had difference with people. You know, the one thing me and Daniel, Daniel, right now, he, he me and him are really, really close. We've been best friends since we were what in seventh grade, sixth grade, one of the two. You know, but the thing is, if you talk to me and Daniel, you, you will tell quickly our differences. Daniel's very smart. He's very well thought in his words. He takes his time to deliver his words. I talk a mile a minute. I mean, I am quick with my words, you know. And so, like, like we're completely different if you talk to us. But I don't focus on my differences with Daniel. I focus on my similarities, you know. And then you look at my cousin Ryan. I mean, we're cousins, but he's 6'2", like, 240, 250, I'm five, six and a half, and like 190. Like, we're completely different. You talk to us, we're completely different people. But yet, we're, we have the a, a similarity of the same last name. And me and him focused on that, so now me and him have a great relationship once I got back to college. But it's because we didn't sit there on the differences and say, well, I can't like you because you're different than me in this, in this way, this way, and this way. We're not exactly alike. These people in, in those days, they weren't exactly alike. A lot of them probably had nothing in common except one thing. They all trusted the Lord. Jesus was their Savior. That was what they had in common. They were saved through grace, and they focused on that. They didn't, they didn't look at what, you know, what sports team they like, what political view they like, what, what they liked in this, what they liked in that, whether they liked their potatoes mashed or baked. They didn't care. The thing they were focused on, David, <laughs> I really got a chuckle out of that one. Um, and by the way, mine's baked. It's baked. Don't do mashed. Um, until I lose my teeth, then I'll do mashed. Um, But they were focused on, hey, you're my friend because God loves you and I love you. And that's it. They didn't need anything else because God loved them because they're a child of God. That should be our focus because if we get this mindset and we focus on our differences, then we begin to rank everybody. And we begin to hold ourselves above everyone else. And once you do that, you will never ever first be able to minister to anybody Second, you won't be able to relate to anybody. So, you won't be able to form any friendships because you think you're better than everybody. But if you just look at yourself, hey, I, I was a sinner and Jesus came and he saved my soul, then there will be no, no pride in you and you will be able to relate to anybody, anybody and everybody because you would see them as a sinner in the, with the need of a savior. It's that simple. So we have to have this humility because of our mindset. We have to have this mindset that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior and he came and saved my soul. That's the mindset. And with that mindset, you can love anybody. You can love the worst of the worst. You can love the best of the best because you're not seeing them as a person. You're seeing them as, as a sinner with the need of a Savior. You're seeing them as a child of God. This was their mindset. That's why there was no bickering back in these days. That's why there was no arguments because they saw each other how they really were. Sinners in the need of a savior. But so often we go in with pride and we go in to where we, we can't we can't see anybody else because our head's so big. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Matthew 16. 24 through 26. It reads, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So right here, Jesus is plainly saying, you have to deny yourself. You have to completely put, your, put yourself aside and worry about other people. That's the only way you're gonna get the message out is if you just put yourself aside and say, hey, I'm gonna focus on this person because I love them and God loves them. We have so much hate in this world. Why is it that now, now that there's hate in the world, there's hate in the church? You know, when people walk through the doors, we judge them in an instant and we say, well, I'm not going to talk to them or I will talk to them because how they look, how they dress, how they act, or whether you know them or not. That's what we base whether we're going to talk to people about. When in fact, no matter who walks through those doors, we should make them feel welcome, whether they're a guest or whether they've been here their whole life. We should make them feel welcome because that's what Jesus would want us to do. That's what people who love other people should do. You should never meet a stranger. Everyone who walks through those doors should feel welcomed and feel at home here. But yet so often we judge them and we push them aside because, well, you're not the demographic I want. You you don't look like I I need you to look for me to minister to you. It doesn't matter how they look, how they act, how they dress. It doesn't matter anything. They're a child of God. We are called to fellowship with them. That's what we're called to do. And so then we see the, the third area is the breaking of bread. And so we've seen fellowship and we've seen God's word. So now we see the breaking of bread. And this is a specific shot at communion. This is specifically talking about communion. All right, so John Phillips says it like this. It was a companion ordinance to baptism. In baptism, we show our death with Christ. And in breaking of bread, we show his death for us. And so what we realize is they were doing it to refresh their minds so they could really remember what Jesus did. This helped with the humility aspect, because if you come to the table where, where Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, talking about his body and his, and his blood that were, that were broken for, for us, then you will never have a sense of pride because you'll understand, hey, he paid the ultimate sacrifice because I am not enough. And so they were doing this regularly to refresh themselves. They were doing it to refresh their, their memory, to make sure that there was no pride found in the church. So often we do it because, hey, well, you know, I, we have to do it because the Bible says so. We have to. They were doing it with a purpose. They had purpose behind doing it. They weren't just going through the motions. They were living out everything that they were teaching, everything they were saying. They were living it out day by day. And so when they took communion, they took it serious. They took it with respect. They took it with honor because they understood, hey, right after this, right after the disciples and Jesus did this, my Savior paid the ultimate price for me. Because I am not enough to get into heaven. I have sinned and I have fallen short of the standard. And so the only, only way I could get in there, get into heaven, is if Jesus paid that price for me. If someone perfect paid that price for me. And that's what it's all about. And so they did it to refresh, to, to keep an actual remembrance of what Jesus did. They didn't just do it because, hey, you know, the Bible says to you, let, let's just go through the motions so often in churches, that's what we do. We, anything we do, we do it because, hey, we're supposed to, and we're doing it to go through the motions. Everything has a purpose, whether it's communion, whether it's tithing, whether it's singing, whether it's preaching, whatever it is, it has a purpose. And so we need to do it with honor and, and, and respect. And that, that's what we're called to do. And so in the fourth area is prayer. So this is a new idea, prayer, praying just wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just praying to heaven it's a completely new idea. All right, so turn in your Bibles to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. 27 uh, and verse 51. It reads, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The top to bottom is important because it shows that no man could just do it because man would probably would start at the bottom and worked his way to the top. But rather, it started from the top to the bottom. And what that did, what that Jesus died, we had the ultimate middleman. We didn't have to make a sacrifice. You know, we didn't have to get the best sheep or best pig from the farm and sacrifice. And we didn't have to go to the priest and tell him our sins so that they could pray for us and in and, and honor of us. No. Now, at any point, whenever you need God, you can just pray and talk to him and spend time with him. And they were putting this in practice. They were doing this. They were praying all the time. And, and so the question I had was, well, how do they know how to pray? And so now turn your Bibles to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Our, uh, it, says, it says like this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so what we see here is Jesus giving them the blueprint to pray. And it's absolutely crazy to me because it seems like every answer they had, every question they had, the answer was in the Bible. And they were able to find it because, again, we go back up to the first area they were devoted to, to God's Word. They were searching the Scripture daily, looking for the answers to the questions they had. And they were finding them because they were going to the right place they didn't go to their best friend. They didn't go to the town gossip. They didn't go to, to, the, to the counselor. They didn't go anywhere that. They went straight to the source, to the Bible, and they looked it up themselves. That's the key. So often we have these questions and, and we go everywhere except where we're going to find it. and That's in the Bible. Guys, when you truly devote yourself to God's word, your questions will be answered so much faster because you will find those answers in Scripture. You will find those, those answers lived out by other people that, that lived long ago, whether it's Jesus, David, whoever. You will find the answers. All you have to do is look in the right place. And so then, and so after the areas, we, we see it's, it's kind of a cause and effect. So because they were devoted in these areas, we then start to see results. We see results of their true devotion. So it's, it's a cause and effect. So because they, they were devoted in these areas— they, they began to fear God, number one. They began to fear God. And so that word fear, that word awe in, um, in verse, let me find it, in verse 43, it means it comes from the word phobos, which translates to holy fear. That's where we get our word phobia from, holy fear. So they were actually terrified, like I'm terrified of heights of God. You know, I, I can't do heights. Uh, this one time we were working um, on my dad's shed, we were trying to build a lean-to, and it's like six foot high. And so I got on there, and I freaked out and got stuck. I had to, uh, took me like 30 minutes to get down. It was a whole big process. But they, they, were, they, were, fea- they were fearful of God. And it wasn't just randomly. It's because they were devoted to, the, to, the, to Scripture, which is mainly the four Gospels in the Old Testament. So they saw, they saw a revengeful God. They, say they saw God when he was angry, what he would do. But they were also seeing it live. If you, go, if you flip over just to verse 5, I'm not going to read it, but it tells you the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, they sold a plot of land. And they, they gave a portion of it to the church, but this is where they went wrong. They lied to the church. They lied to Peter. They said, hey, this is all of, of, of the proceeds. And then God struck Ananias dead, like gone. Oof. And so they brought in Sapphira and they asked Sapphira, hey, is this everything you sold from the field? And she said, yes, struck, struck her down. And so they're seeing it live. They're seeing God literally smiting people because he, they, they were lying in the church. And so God is getting rid of the cancers in the church. So they were actually fearful of God. That if they disrespected Him or dishonored Him, they might actually get smited. They might die. So they had this fear of God, which has led them to be more honored, to give more honor, to give more respect towards God. And so they had they had this holy fear, and it wasn't a fear of just completely scared of Him. It was just a fear of, of hey, like I really have to worship our Savior because at any point he, I could die. And so the second thing we see is they were doing great things. So because they, were, because they were fully devoted in those four areas, they were doing great things, which means they were allowing the Holy Spirit to work through them. They were a full body of Christ. So often, you know, a church could be on fire for God, but you could have that, that one person that's just being a cog in the system and, and not allowing the body to work like, it, like it's supposed to because they're not doing their job. Because I don't care what your job is, whether it's, hey, to clean toilets, whether it's to, to sing in the choir or, or play in the praise team or, or preach or to do whatever. It might be to hold doors open. God's calling you to do something, and in that way, you can glorify God by doing it. These people didn't care what their job is. They were willing to do it. They were willing to do anything God called them to do to further his kingdom. They were allowing the Holy Spirit to work through them. And we find that in verse... Um, 43, um, part B, it says, And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So God was working through them. But it's because everyone was in unison and everyone had everything in common. You know, the one thing that I I really found out about um, Children's Bible Camp at Indian Cave, this is my first year as the director. We have something tonight. Hope you all come out to it. But the one thing I figured out, is that I was the director, but everyone knew their job and knew exactly what to do, and they were going to do it. And so all I had to do was kind of not screw up. That was the premise of my job that week, right? It was just to not screw up and be where I needed to be when I needed to be there. But that system worked great. People knew their job, and they were willing to do it just so one child could come to know Christ. And it, it led to 23 salvations that week, which is awesome. But it's because everyone did their job and no one was lazy and no one hated their job. They just did their job to the fullest, to, not for their glory, but for God's. So often the church people either don't do their job or they do their job for their own glory, for their pat on the back. If you're doing it, you're doing it wrong then. You have to do it for God's glory. That's the key. That's, that's the part we miss so often is, is we just want that pat on the back. We want someone to say, hey, you did a good job. When in reality, the only person you should please, want to please is God. And so then we go on. And so because they were devoted in all these areas, we also see that they had all in common. Again, they were focused on their similarities. They weren't focused on their differences. You focus on differences can lead a church apart. You know, I, 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 I always tagged along with my dad when he would go preach revivals at these churches. And I remember one church, we, we'd get there really, really early, which is weird because typically we'd get there like 30 minutes before so Dad could meet some people and get his mic and stuff. But we got here like an hour and a half early. And so it was just us and the preacher. So we go into his office. I'm playing a game on my, on my dad's phone. Dad didn't really have any good games. So I was kind of also like paying attention. Uh, and so the pastor just began to cry, which also made me pay more attention. And, and he just looked at my dad. He's like, hey, man, look, two weeks ago, man, we were in a um, business meeting trying to vote because they were, they were going to expand the church. And they got into a fight like, where people were literally cussing each other out in the sanctuary because they could not agree on the color of the carpet. They were focused so much on their differences that they did not see any similarities between the two. They were so focused on being right and and being against the other one because they they, they wanted to die on that hill that they were willing to tear the church apart. People started leaving in droves, and so this was kind of a a last-ditch effort was to get my dad there to preach and hopefully bring the church back together. But it's a balance, guys, and at any point, It could break just with the slightest thing, with the slightest argument. People can begin to take sides because we're not looking at what we have in common, but we're looking at the differences we have and we're focusing on them. It doesn't matter who walks through those doors or what they think. As long as they believe in God, we should accept them for who they are. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, the color of the skin. It doesn't matter, you know, what sports teams they like. It doesn't matter where they went to school. It doesn't matter, you know, what their political views are. We should accept them because they are a child of God at the end of the day. And when we get to the gates, it's not like a series of questions. Hey, what was your favorite sports teams? Well, you, you ain't getting it now. You like the Red Sox. You know, it's not that or it's not, who. hey, who'd you vote, vote for every election? It's not. It's, it's a simple question. And that's, did you believe in me? Did you accept me, accept me as your Lord and Savior? But so often we get hung up on the differences. Every single person in this room is a child of God. Every single person in this room is a sinner that was bound for hell until they accepted the free gift, or hopefully you will accept the free gift if you're still not. You know, that's it. Everyone in here is, is just those two things. If you boil it down, and guys, we have to focus on what we have in common rather than our differences. Because out there in the world, that's what everyone's focused on is their differences. That's why there's fighting. That's why there's wars. That's why all this negativity is in the air when you go out into the real world. because people are focused on differences and they want a break. They're looking for a break. And so if we give them that break, they will come in here in droves because they know they won't be judged. Because they know they'll be accepted for who they are, a sinner that is bound for hell and the need and is in need of a savior. That's the key. We cannot miss that mark. That that, that is key in leading people to Christ is if you just truly make them feel accepted. I've been in churches where I haven't been accepted and it's been hard and I did not enjoy it. I dreaded going to church when I did that. But if you find a church you fit into and that accepts you for who you are, I guarantee you will thrive in that church. And so that's why we have to accept people because this church is not full. If we look around, it's not full. We have open seats. We have places where we, we need teachers. We need people everywhere. And so if we can get people in and we can accept them and, and we can allow God to use them in our church, it will just better our church. It, we don't need to have this, this thought process of, of us for and no more. It doesn't work like that. Jesus ate with sinners. He ate with tax collectors who were the worst of the worst and yet we look, we look down our nose at people who we know are bad people when they walk into the church and we judge them for who they are. I guarantee when, when a new person walks in, at least a handful of people look at them and they judge them within the first five seconds. And, and based off that judgment is whether they talk to them or not. They judge how, what, they're, like, what they're dressed like, how they act, how they carry themselves and all that. And that's what they're judging off of. When a visitor walks through that door, we should see them as a sinner in the need of a Savior and a child of God. And we should love them to the cross. That's the key. And so the last thing is they were also leading people to Christ daily. So as a result of this, as a result of being devoted to these four areas, they were leading people to Christ. Because they had, they had the mindset of Christ you know, they didn't just take off that Christian jacket when they left the, when they left the church. They, ha, they were living out what Peter was preaching. They were living out what they were learning. They were, they were putting it into practice. And again, to make things worse is in today's society, we have no fear of dying for what we believe in right now. We don't. There is no fear. You go out in the world, you tell people you're Christian, they're just going, you might get made fun of, that's cool. You might get laughed at, that's cool, but that's going to be it. Most people are like, okay, like, that's cool. In those days, it's illegal to be a Christian. If you go on and, and, and you get into verse 5 of Acts, sorry, verse 6 Acts, you'll see Paul is literally killing Christians. He, he's, on a, he's on a tirade, capturing Christians, throwing them in jail and trying to kill them. So they have something to fear, and that's losing their life. And yet it just draws them closer to the cross. It draws them closer to the cross. They begin to live it out even harder. They begin to lead people to Christ. And this salvation is, is true salvation because you wouldn't accept it if, if you feared for your life and you didn't 100% believe in it. And so, we, we, I mean, you look, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So even when, when people were coming into the church in shroves, they still understand it was... God doing it, it wasn't them. That's that true sense of humility. It's not false humility where they're trying to just get a pat on the back. That is true humility because they understood without God, they were getting nowhere. Without God, they weren't getting into heaven. They were nothing without God. They understood that and they lived it out. And so that's really what I'm going to close with today is what are you devoted to? Are you devoted to worldly things or are you devoted to God's word, to fellowship, to prayer, to communion? Because everyone has a devotion. You are devoted to something. Your heart longs to devote to something. And so that's my question, is where are you truly devoted at today? Thanks for listening to the Marion Message presented by the Mosaic of Marion podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcba.com.